0: Good morning liberty
1: well what is up all of our liberty loving friends this is another fantastic episode of good morning liberty my name is nathaniel paul thurston and across from me is mr charles chuck thompson how's it going today chuck going great it's tuesday by the way it's not monday there was a, a holiday yesterday you went did you go swimming is that what happened yes yeah, yesterday was a swimming day. How was that?
0: It was not bad. Did you, did you not win? Too shabby. Did you win the swimming contest? No. Okay. No, I, well, by swimming, what I mean is I, I sat in a pool. You sat there. Yeah. Well, just did kinda, you get drunk? Kind of chilled. No. I I I had a few beverages. Okay. And uh, then I took a nap. I got you. And then I went back to the pool after that. <laughs> did you get drunk that time? No. So. No, I didn't. I didn't keep drinking.
1: Well, I hope everyone had a great just, memorial. Day, weekend, and that you celebrated the reason for the season, as we always do. People were shooting off fireworks in my neighborhood last night, and I didn't know that that was a thing. I think people in Tennessee just like blowing things up, but I don't like it when they blow things up on a Monday night at like 10.30 p.m. Mm. And to me, that's a violation of the NAP. What do you guys think? Is it anti-libertarian to blow things up in a rural neighborhood or, or a suburban neighborhood at 10:30 p.m. on a weeknight. Is that a violation of the nap?
0: There were some fireworks going off my house as well, in yeah. my
1: neighborhood. So, McGo says nope, not a not a nap violation. Hmm. Okay. We'll see. This is a really old tired libertarian philosophical argument, and this is why libertarians never make it anywhere in politics because <laughs> everyone else is talking about like the debt ceiling and all that and we're like, well, if someone's sound vibrations crosses over your fence and goes into your ear, then are they violating your personal property? Mm. And all the while, people are just stealing trillions of dollars from you. So maybe we won't talk about sound violations
0: today. <laughs> I feel like we need to prioritize some of the issues. You attack
1: things in the order yeah. that they would kill you, as yeah. I believe Jordan Peterson is the one who I heard say that yeah. first. Yeah, that's, that's the way that we need to attack the problems. So today we'll be talking about the, the clear news over the weekend was that the, there was an agreement reached on the debt ceiling. Such a big deal. Charlie, I was so surprised, here I was thinking, that, they, that both the left and the right, that McCarthy and Biden were going to hold true to their principles and not negotiate, and that we were going to default on our debt and the entire world's economy was going to come crashing down because these guys were so darn principled with their beliefs. And mm-hmm. I am shocked that they were able to come to an agreement just in the nick of time. Are just you shocked?
0: In the nick of time. No. <laughs> this was always going to happen. We knew that. Um, we we knew that they were going to kick the can down the road mm-hmm. as far as they can. We're going to add more to the debt because, you know, why not? You know, that they're... It's all, what did I say before the show? It's really just like the game, the game show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's all made up and the points don't matter.
1: It's true. And this, in this case, the points are dollars and who cares? Mm-hmm. It's just your grandchildren's futures and how much money is going to need to be taken from their productive capacity. That's right. So who really cares? You know, That's their problem to deal with. Uh, Kevin McCarthy. House Speaker said, I just got off the phone with the president a bit ago. After he wasted time and refused to negotiate for months, we've come to an agreement in principle that is worthy of the American people. Now, my first reaction to that was, he must not think much of the American people. And he's saying it right there. But then I got to think, I got to thinking about it. And I got to thinking about that old Milton Friedman quote, which I'm going to play here in a second. Maybe what he said is true. This agreement is worthy of the American people because the American people, a large majority of them, don't have any principles either. And so (laughs) we're going to play this clip from Milton Freeman to kick off the discussion about the debt ceiling. We must not kid ourselves into thinking that we're going to remedy it by the easy way of electing the right people to office. That will not work. Once they get into office, they're gonna be subject to the same pressures And the same drives as the people we might regard as the wrong people. In fact, I have often said that the right solution is not to elect the right people to office, but to make it politically profitable for the wrong people to do the right thing. All right, that's long been one of my favorite Milton Friedman lines, uh, for sure. That's fantastic. As we've discussed, wow, look, God really turned down the lights in here. He did. It got real dark <laughs> real quick. Good thing we don't plan on using any of these videos until we actually finish <laughs> the studio, or it would actually matter. Um, the uh, What he's saying there is that we're not going to get the right people into office. In so many election cycles, what we do is we focus on getting the right people. And that's what's happening right now after this debt ceiling agreement, this compromise from both sides, is that we just don't have the right people in there, we're going to get principled people, whoever the heck they might be, and they're going to vote for the right things. And that's a great strategy. You get all the perfect people in there, but how are you going to get the perfect people in there when it's us, the people, that are voting on the people that go in there? We're the ones, not us, not me and Charlie, not you guys listening right now, but the American people are the ones that fall for this crap from, from whoever will be the fakest politician, whoever will lie to us the best and make us feel good about things. And people fall for it every single election cycle, and nothing ever changes. And so to go back to my main point, which was when McCarthy said that we've come to an agreement that is worthy of the American people, is he correct? No. No? Do you think the American people are better than this
0: agreement? I guess, I mean... These are the people's representatives that are doing this. I mean, if you put it that way, we do keep voting the same, you know, the same slobs in Mm -hmm. the office every single year. That, or I guess every two years, that shouldn't be there, right? Yeah.
1: So. That's my point. That's my point right there, is that maybe it is worthy of the American people, and maybe it's the American people that need to change and hold people more accountable and pay more attention in primaries and not just fall for all the B.S. lines that people are spinning you all the time, and something could actually change afterwards. That's how you get the right people into office. It's not even the right people. Milton's point there was that you needed to make it politically profitable for the wrong people to do the right thing, because these people don't have any principles. They will do whatever will keep them in office, and all of these people that are going to vote— For this deal on the left and the right, when there's people out there saying that they don't like it and this is a stab in the back to whatever person that you want to mention, they wouldn't do it if they thought they were going to lose their job immediately afterwards. Most of these people know that they're going to be able to keep their job. And so they're going to do this. Now, if they all thought that they were going to lose their job because their person compromised on this deal, then those people wouldn't have compromised on the deal. They would have done whatever they said they were going to do, but they know they don't have to. And that's why they don't do it.
0: Well, and if they wouldn't have caved on this, it would have been not very good for the economy. That's True. for sure. We would have had to suffer some pain. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, of course they want to make a deal. Well oh, yeah. So they don't have to suffer the pain because then they would lose their jobs. Yeah. You know, they they would be blamed for the downturn of the economy that would but it's gonna happen one way or the other. This isn't sustainable.
1: It's eventually going to burst. It's gonna it's the the future burst is getting worse and worse. You know, it could have happened right now. Yeah, could have defaulted on stuff. Instead, we'll default in twenty years when we have to and there's no other option and it'll be way worse at that time than it would have been right now. But hey, with all that negativity about the bill, I want to say I went through some of it. It's not all the worst thing you've ever seen. It's better than the alternative, it's better than If Republicans wouldn't have won the House and it would have still been Democrats, it it is better than that alternative. Um, But the government's still going to, in the end, going to grow, not going to shrink. Justin Amash had words to say about this, Charlie, if you want to read words.
0: He said, I've now reviewed the bill text of the debt ceiling, quote, deal, and it's actually worse than I imagined. It locks in the inflated spending levels of recent years. Under McCarthy's deal, any incentive to cut spending for the rest of the term vanishes until... Which, by the way, he ran, you know, as Speaker, Mm -hmm. to not... uh, Or to cut spending. Until January 2nd, 2025, the Treasury will now have unlimited authority to issue debt to finance commitments requiring payment. It's the ultimate kick-the-can-down-the-road agreement. Which is exactly what I said.
1: So that's from Amash. Too bad he's not a representative anymore but luckily he is a libertarian that's <laughs> I'm so thankful for that that's great right <laughs> so let's actually go through some of this thing and and see if there's anything good to take from this um this one this is actually from CNN they did a pretty good rundown of it the agreement would suspend the nations 31.4 trillion Dollar debt limit through January first, twenty twenty-five. Yes, that is miraculously after the next elections, and then there will be another debt limit fight in January, just like we had this year. It will start then, and then we'll say, "Oh well, we've only got until June, and we're we'll out of money." It'll be this exact same thing again, and this will be used as an election play for the twenty twenty-four election.
0: It's so weird
1: how this happens,
0: like every four I, years. How do they time that out? Yeah, That's yeah, what a weird crazy, date. what a weird date.
1: Um, caps non-defense spending. So under the deal, non-defense spending would remain relatively flat in fiscal 2024 and increase by 1% in fiscal 2025. After certain adjust- adjustments to appropriations were made, according to White House official, after fiscal 2025, there will be
0: no budget caps. And so we've got two years here with 2024. I like how they say they cap non-defense spending, but they're like, well, we budgeted in a 1% increase. Yeah.
1: That's now, the same it, thing as a
0: cap. It's,
1: it's you know? a 1% cap.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> no cap
1: on God. So it sounds pretty good uh, when you say it like that. I mean, that's low-key misleading. It, <laughs> the problem, <laughs> no cap, Yeah, man. That's cap. Yeah. So the, here's the problem. Non-defense spending. This whole thing is revolving around discretionary spending. And if we're ever really going to solve the problem... We're going to have to talk about this non-discretionary or mandatory spending. We have to talk about, we got to talk about the DOD. You know, we got to talk, our, talk about our defense spending. We got to talk about Social Security. We got to talk about Medicare. If we don't touch those things, this basically doesn't matter. And that's really what we're going after here. They didn't do any of those other things. None of those crazy end of the world Social Security cuts, none of that stuff. They didn't do anything with Medicaid. Of course, the defense budget is still going up, just like what Biden had requested. And that is a symptom of the American people not wanting to touch those things and not thinking that it's possible to touch those things. Remember, this Democrats hate this, and that's because... The d- discretionary spending is relatively flat for 2024 and up by one percent. We're not even talking about stuff going down. We've accepted the fact that the U.S. government has to spend this much money, and it can. There's no possible way the U.S. government can spend less money than this, even though our budget, like the like the uh, like Justin Amash said, our budget has been drastically increased since COVID. And we are putting in these caps and these hold the budget flat since the increased budgets after
0: COVID. The massive increase. Yes. Yes.
1: And we're holding those. We're not going back to pre-COVID spending, even though COVID's not an emergency anymore. We're not worried about it. Somehow there's no way that a few years later we could go back to spending what we were spending before COVID. It's, fuga- it's,
0: it's all guys. It's
1: just not possible. It's fairy dust. So let's keep going through some of this stuff. Did I read that whole page? I don't think. The House GOP fact sheet says that non-defense discretionary spending would be rolled back to fiscal 2022 levels, and top-line federal spending would be limited to 1% annual growth for the next six years. Of course, it's only required that they do it up to 2025. That's one thing you have to remember is they make these deals, and it sounds like, oh, look at what they're going to do. They're gonna, there's going to be a new bill next year sometime, mm-hmm. and it's going to negate all the stuff in this bill. These things don't matter. all that happens is the budget goes up. that's what happens exactly the breakdown of non-defense discretionary spending for 2024, according to a source familiar, is that the cap would be at 704 billion of which 121 billion would be for veterans medical care 583 billion will be for other areas now keep in mind you're, we're talking about the 704 billion dollars. we spent something like six trillion dollars in fiscal 2022 or 2021. One of those years, you're talking almost a trillion dollars for military. Then you got Medicare, then you got Social Security, and all of this deal is dealing with this $704 billion piece of the discretionary budget. That That's what we're talking about mm-hmm. right now. They're not touching the other parts of it. But the adjustments would bring the resources available for spending outside of the veterans medical care to six hundred and thirty-seven billion dollars for the next fiscal year compared to six hundred and thirty-eight billion dollars for the current one.
0: So the yeah. next <laughs> We we we're gonna save a billion.
1: When you talk about the actual spending for those things outside of veterans medical care, we're gonna spend six hundred and thirty seven billion, whereas this year we're gonna spend six hundred and thirty eight billion. Mm. The reason that that's possible is because they are doing the, what they call clawbacks. They're pulling back money from unspent COVID funds uh, from also some of the money that was supposed to go to the IRS that, you know, for the 87,000 agents the, that people keep talking about. It doesn't take away the fact that the IRS says they're going to spend this much money every year. It basically means that in six years, the IRS is going to say that they need funding to fulfill their obligations that were set out in that previous bill that gave them all that funding. And so that it doesn't really change what they're going to be spending, although some people are saying it will, um, that it does not look like it will. All right, so we've got the veterans' medical care. We know that's getting protected. Expanded work requirements. Now, this is something that Republicans were big on. I think there should be work requirements for taking money away from what I make when I work. I, th- I think that that's fine. The agreement calls for a temporarily broadening of work requirements for certain adults receiving food stamps. There's nothing more temporary than the government temporarily reducing the amount of money it's going to spend on something, as the old quote goes. I
0: love the temporary <laughs> language.
1: Yeah. So a temporarily broadening of the work requirements. Currently, childless, able-bodied adults 18 to 49 are only able to get food stamps for three months out of every 3 years unless they are employed at least 20 hours a week or meet other criteria this agreement would increase that upper limit from 49 up to age 55 in phases uh, but the deal is going to expand exemptions for veterans and people who are homeless and former foster youth uh, for the for the snap program they're actually saying that it's not going to change the amount of people that are getting snap they're actually just going to be shifting around the people that are getting snap so you're not even really reducing the amount of money that's going to be spent on on these things, but they might be kicking off some people via the work requirements, uh, which I think is a good thing, and then bringing in some homeless veterans, homeless people, stuff like that, uh, into the SNAP program. Maybe that's a positive because there could be people that, man, almost said the word deserve. <laughs> that's not an economic policy, okay. But if you're going to think about it emotionally you could say you're going to give it to people who deserve it more than some people who are getting there right now. You could look at if that. You're going to have
0: the program. Yeah. yeah.
1: I say you just reduce the budget for it and then they got to work out how they're going <laughs> to, how they're going to deal yeah. with it. Let's see what else we have. Yeah. They say same number of food, same recipients, Uh clawback COVID-19 relief funds, $28 billion and unobligated funds from relief packages. Uh, but it would retain 5 billion in funding to accelerate development of COVID-19 vaccines and treatments. So they're still going to be putting the $5 billion towards government-funded vaccines and treatments, and also to be able to give people free vaccines for for people that can't afford them. Of course, using the people's money to pay for those free vaccines. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I want you to think about this, really think about the answer to this question. In the past week, how much time did you spend on yourself? on things that you needed and wanted versus the amount of time you spent on other people and what they wanted and what they needed. It's easy to get caught up worrying about everyone else and what makes them happy. And then a couple months go by and you're like, whoa, what about me? Not that it's wrong to, to want to help people. We should want to help people. But therapy can help you strike a better balance in your life so you can continue being a great friend or a great family member without getting stretched thin. And burned out. My life was changed because I chose to go to therapy, and our co-host Charlie has been a BetterHelp customer for years, and he loves it. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, flexible, and convenient. Just fill out a few questions on the website, you get masked with a licensed therapist, and you can even switch therapists at any time for no charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com gml today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, h-e-l-p dot slash g-m-l. Congress approved roughly four point six trillion dollars in COVID nineteen relief funds since the pandemic began in early
0: twenty twenty. Now remember, that's almost a trillion dollars more than the government steals in tax revenue.
1: <laughs> yeah. By the way. That's just for COVID nineteen. That's not what we right. spent on everything else. Exactly. It's ridiculous.
0: So the government still spends four, four and a half trillion, and then they also earmarked an additional four point six trillion. Mm-hmm which is a whole year's <laughs> worth of spending. It's a lot. And the government takes in roughly 3.8, 3900000000000 I say take in. They steal yes. roughly almost $4 trillion every year.
1: Let's actually look at that and just see what this, uh, some of these recent figures are. This is federal budget 2022. Uh, on federal budget 2022, we have Social Security, see $6.48 trillion in total spending. I know that this is not showing up correctly on the screen right there. Let me bring it over. $6.48 trillion in total spending, $5 trillion in total revenue. Mm. That's not enough. Uh, Revenue, of course, we don't like how uh, that's where it is. Social Security, $1.2 trillion. National Defense and for veterans, about a trillion, a little over. Medicare, $756 billion. And then you've got this interest on the debt, four hundred and eighty-three billion. We got to keep paying that interest. You know, it's it's a lot. But these top three right here—Social Security, Medicare, Defense—those are things that they just won't touch. But those are the things that are actually making it very difficult uh, for us to continue paying for this. And it's going to take the American people realizing that maybe. Imagine this, Charlie. A trillion dollars. So the, just say $800 billion for defense spending. How the heck does the military require a fresh $800 billion every single year? They need the coffee cups. Man. To keep
0: going. What are they doing? You gotta have self-heating <laughs> coffee cups. How can the, that be possible at That's all? That. I have no idea. Like,
1: just think like you build all the stuff, you know, you got all the stuff. What do you do the next year with the 800 billion dollars? More stuff, Nate.
0: You have no God. idea what these criminals across the world are doing. I mean, how much you, have of, to, you have to keep up. How much of that do you think is walking away? You it's, know, I don't know. It's getting tucked away somewhere else. At least 10%. What percentage
1: let's get from the group right now. What percentage of that money, just say roughly 800 billion dollars, do you think is going in people's pockets? At least 10%. it's going to be my And list. I don't mean by paychecks. I mean out of the, on a pallet off of a plane that didn't exist. Something like that. Jeff says 69%. <laughs> I wouldn't guess that, but I am...
0: Well, we know before, you know, September 11th that the Department of Defense, like, lost $2 trillion. That had to like be that.
1: one of the most unfortunate press... Con- because they were wanting to get down to the bottom of that. It must have been you know? a
0: terrible boating accident. Then, <laughs> you know? It's
1: very tragic. Yeah. Tragic boating accident. Mm-hmm. What was the amount that they announced in the press conference on I don't September remember. 10th? I think it was like Kids these days think this is a conspiracy theory that we're talking about dollars. right now. I'm not saying a conspiracy theory. I'm saying look it up. On September 10th, there was a press conference about this trillion or so dollars that had miraculously gone missing in the defense from the defense department.
0: One of the one of the stories that comes up is Pentagon or sorry Pentagon falling victim to price gouging by military contractors.
1: <laughs> Dude, you got to send that to me. You got to send that or you got to put it in notes so I can see it. That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that's what it is, guys. Victim to
1: price gouging. Of I don't know. They create their own monopolies. They use stolen money to pay for things and they're calling it price gouging. How about that? All right. What, where else are we go in here? Maintain climate and clean energy measures. The agreement would not make changes to the Inflation Reduction Act's climate and clean energy provisions. House Republicans sought to repeal the law's clean energy tax credits and subsidies. The agreement also includes measures in the National Environmental Policy Act aimed at boosting the coordination, predictability, and certainty associated with federal agency decision-making, according to the White House. This is, I believe, some of the permitting reforms that they've talked about It would designate a single agency charged with developing a single environmental review document and also would require agencies to complete environmental reviews in one year or two years for the most environmentally complex projects. It will take them 15 years to come up with this single environmental review document. (laughs) I guarantee you. In a year, they'll announce the committee to create the committee that writes the document. And then it's going to take them a few years to do the document. I think that we first need to write into law that they come up with this document faster, but it'll yeah. take us a couple of years to write that
0: one down. By the way, back on defense spending real quick. Magoo says it was $2.3 trillion in funds unaccounted for on 9 10 of 2001.
1: I tell you what, that's just some bad and luck then, if I ever heard of it.
0: Um, the, the defense, uh, this is in December of 2022, the defense Par- department only managed to account for 39% of its $3.5 trillion in assets, leaving more than $2.1 trillion unaccounted for. Mm. And by the way, the Defense Department is the only U.S. government agency to have never passed a comprehensive audit. Never. They've not, they've not passed an audit once. Not, Not here, not now, not then.
1: But there's just no way that they can survive on less than 800 billion dollars we've got to increase it it's not possible in
0: fact according to some estimates we cannot track 2.3 trillion dollars in transactions 2.3 trillion with a t
1: okay that was the only (laughs) that was guys this is not made up this was on september 10th 2001 that they announced that they couldn't track 2.3 trillion dollars isn't it isn't that just weird? I'm saying that that's weird. Life is crazy sometimes. That's all I'm saying. What are be, the odds of something like that happening? It could be. It could just be coincidental. Now, of course, it is coincidental, but, Charlie. There's no other. The circumstantial evidence. <laughs> I'm just. I'm commenting on what a crazy qu- life is. Just crazy sometimes. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't have any other way to describe it. It's just a. It's just a way that things work out. You know. Okay, so they're not going to do anything with the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, So we know that. They're going to keep that going. Kevin McCarthy, who, if you read his Wall Street Journal op-ed, this is just the greatest bill that's ever happened in the history of the world. Uh, It's called the Fiscal Responsibility Act, which means that you know it's not fiscally responsible. That's how you know things in Washington. It's the exact opposite. He did put out this thing, changing the trajectory in Washington. This is the difference in base discretionary spending. So in this budget from fiscal year 2022, we're talking about discretionary spending. They're talking about this going from $1.3 trillion in 2021 up to uh, $1.9-ish trillion in 2030. Biden's budget would have roughly had that around $1.9 trillion in 2030. And this red line right here has it at 1.6 trillion in 2030, which means we're saving roughly $30 billion per year off of our $6 trillion budget. uh, Thanks to this great, great piece of legislation. That's awesome, man. So cool. (laughs) So glad that worked out. Now, when it comes to the spending, Charles, and we're going to go through, you know, we talk about the amount of tax money that we bring in as it relates to GDP. When you have people online telling you, well, we're just not taxing people enough, people have been getting these massive tax breaks, we need to start taxing the rich, we need to go back to the 50s. They'll even say that we need to go back to the 1950s, back when we had a 90 billion percent marginal tax rate on people that were making over $19 a month or something like that. That's how they'll describe it, essentially. We all know that essentially no one was paying that tax because almost no one made the amount of money that they were taxing at that level. But if we went back to the glorious 1950s, I think it's important to note that even with those high tax rates, we were taking in less as a percentage of the United States' GDP than we even are right now. We're taking in more as a percentage of our gross domestic product than we were in the glorious socialist paradise days of the 1950s in the United States when we had all those high taxes.
0: It's roughly been the same. Mm -hmm. Professor uh, Davies does a really good job on this, the podcast Words and Numbers. Uh, Anthony Davies, check it out. They talk about this extensively and they do a really good job of breaking it down, but roughly 15 to 20% Mm -hmm. it's mostly the average it's around around 17 17 percent of gdp and it's been that way since what in fact i left the average on here 1946
1: yeah you can see right here what happened we used to be around three percent of gdp that the government was taking in in taxes
0: oh look world war
1: ii and then we get a war that's what happens in fact let me show you some war ever since since then 1930, we're at 3%. 1946, we peak up around 19.8%. Now, we are almost at the all-time high of percentage of money taken in through taxation from the American people in relation to the amount of production happening in our economy. When people say, to, oh, we got all these tax breaks and the Trump tax cuts and all that, we are almost at the all-time high, which is around 19.8% of GDP. Taking in, we are at 19.23% with the most recent figures on this. Now we've got two things against each other here. We've got the federal receipts, that's the taxes as a percent of GDP, and then we've got the federal net outlays. So, how much they're actually spending. What you can see is we're spending about 24% of our GDP, the government is. And we're raking back in about nineteen percent of our GDP. That's what's happening right there. Some weird things. You see these periods where it balloons up and balloons up really fast. These are these are all wars. <laughs> That's what, basically
0: what all of these things are. And we've been at war ever since World War II, basically. And they get close to each other and then there's a war. This is why Thomas Jefferson <laughs> said that the that perpetual warfare is probably the the thing that you should most fear. That's, a, thats Because that's when you lose the most rights. It's perpetual warfare. That's, that's the biggest re- threat to our liberty. That's the reason why they made it a two-year limit, that Congress could only fund war for two years. And they would have to vote on it every two years because the people could get upset and vote you out of office. Well, we changed that whole thing, of course. We, we needed to, you know, it was too scary no, we to do. allow the people to vote on their representatives on whether or not we should be at war.
1: We've had a lot of wars. What do the regular
0: people know about war?
1: Remember, Charlie, there's more than one kind of war. We're talking about, I don't know, Vietnam, the war on terror, World War II, and now we're fighting Russia, essentially. Um, There's also the war on poverty and the war on drugs, and we had a war on COVID, one of the most expensive wars we've ever fought. In fact, I believe it was the most expensive war we've ever fought was the war on COVID. And maybe we prevailed, But apparently we can't stop spending that amount of money. There's no way to go back to the way things were because that just wouldn't be safe, Mm -mm. would it? No way that would be safe. Speaking of wars, I want to end with this ridiculous thing that happened over the weekend. Now, Charlie, are we giant fans of Russia? Are you a big Russian (laughs) fan? Okay. Well, they've issued an arrest warrant for Lindsey Graham. Let me tell you why. I believe what he said was... Pretty gross. Even if you hate Russia, even if you hate what they've done to the freedom and democracy loving folks over there in Ukraine, here's what he had to say. Free or die. Free or die. Now we are free. Yes. And we will be. And the Russians mm-hmm. are dying. It's so the best money we've ever
0: spent. Mm. Thank you so much. No, that was... Okay. Oh, the best money we've ever spent. The
1: point there was the Russians are dying. That's the best money we've ever spent. That's great. 113 billion dollars so far is the uh, uh, the most official figure I can I can come up with. As long as Russians are dying, it's worth it, Charlie. Let me tell you what. That's the American dream.
0: If I if I have to steal from my great grandchildren <laughs> to kill Russians,
1: because you know, Charlie, before this war, to we send other people to
0: kill Russians. Amer-
1: America. I mean, Russia was one of our biggest threats. We've been worried about that our entire lives, this uh, this evil Russia over there. It's been so difficult for us to continue to survive and have freedom and liberty, if not for Russia. So thank God we were able to spend over $100 billion of our grandchildren's money to kill some Russians. And by the way, just people who were getting drafted and thrown out there to probably fight a war that they don't actually care about. It's a pretty gross thing in my opinion um
0: jeff said that lindsey just wants to date Zelensky. he's (laughs) lindsey
1: graham is we know he's a war hawk he's always in favor of all the wars Mm -hmm. okay um he's
0: clearly he's never met a war that he doesn't want to send other people to die in
1: no always always wants to do it i'm sick of this dude and i hope that they arrest him i'm just gonna say (laughs) that and I, I don't remember. Maybe it, he's
0: got a little weed in his pocket too.
1: I don't remember exactly what my post was on this. It was really just stealing from uh, Parks and Recreation. But I said, what channel will Lindsey Graham's rest be on? And can I watch it while eating pork cracklins? So <laughs> that had to do with uh, them cutting the budget, them Pawnee and Parks and Rec. And he wanted to watch him cut the budget while eating pork cracklins. <laughs> so anyhow, let's get out of here, Charlie.
0: All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share the show with a friend, a family member, or a foe. Uh, go to join gmail.com to join the live group, the head, the Fed Haters Club, and then some of you guys have been out there buying t-shirts and other merchandise. We got, we really appreciate that. That's another way to support the show. That is at GodHatesFeds.com. So the biggest go to- thing is join Gmail. You know, yeah. they got to do that. You can get there by GodHatesFeds.com too. You can. There's a link to join the Fed Haters Club, and uh, you need to do it. So we appreciate every single one of you that do that. Um, and then those that maybe not have, maybe don't have the funds. We do appreciate you sharing the show. Leave us a rating review on Apple podcasts and Spotify. And if you do all those things, and I mean all of them, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning Liberty.